Hey guys, it's good to be back. It's been a few weeks. Um, May has just been, was insane. Um, I'll have a blog coming with more information, um, but yeah, just all kinds of stuff. Moving, new dog, uh, new clients, new full-time employee, um, new milestone and bubbles and biz downloads. So it's been all awesome stuff. Uh, just has been insane. So uh, that was all for a few weeks, but I am thrilled to be back. And my guest today is, she's just fabulous. We had such a great conversation. Her name is Ajel Wade, and she also is also known as The Toy Coach. Uh, she's also the creator of The Toy Creator Academy, and she also has a podcast um, where she talks all about um, the toy industry, because that's what her expertise is. Um, she spent over a decade um, in the corporate uh, toy industry ventures, and now she branched out on her own a while back, and she's teaching others how to create and design and market their toys. So it was a super fun conversation. Her energy is awesome, and you're going to love it. So grab a glass and let's chat. Welcome to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Nicole Bernard, and I'll be your host. I've been a small business owner for over 12 years, and I know how hard it is to market your business effectively. With all the tools out there, it can be confusing, and with all the tasks of running a business, it can be hard to find the time. In this podcast, I'll cover best marketing practices, essential tips and tricks to grow your business, and chat with other business owners to glean valuable information that they are using to crush their goals. So grab a glass and let's chat. Hey guys, and welcome back to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. I'm really excited for this conversation because I've never had anybody in the toy space on the show, so I'm really excited. Um, my guest is Ajel Wade. She's the founder of The Toy Coach and creator of The Toy Creator Academy. So thank you to, for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to sip some champagne and talk business. I know, favorite, right? Favorite do the best things. things. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I'm like super interested. Like I said, I've never had anybody in the toy space on the show. Um, I was reading your bio. I know you work for Toys R Us and a bunch of other really cool companies, but how did you get into toys? So I actually studied toy design. Oh, mm, I know most people are like, oh, that's a pretty yeah direct path into the toy industry. So um, the, there are only two schools in the U.S. that have a major in toy design, one being the Fashion Institute of Technology in mm -hmm. New York City, and the other being Otis College of Art and Design. So I went to FIT in New York City, and I studied toy design. It was my second degree after a degree in like exhibition design. Yeah. And I just always wanted to work with kids and I thought I'd be a teacher. And then I started working on kids product and now I'm kind of circling back and being a teacher again. Oh, wow. A full circle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah Cause you're, you have your own Academy and you teach people how to design toys, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. So how many toys have you designed by chance, like, or made or all that? So I, yeah, I've kind of counted once and it's over 500 Oh because my yeah. Because like when you work full-time for a toy company, depending on large or small, if you might be developing like 25 toys a season and there's two seasons a year, or you might be developing like 50 toys a season, if they're like more for the dollar store, or if you're doing a lot of small items, like craft items. So I've worked for like a button company. So mm -hmm. we did individual tiny button crafts and toys like that. And then I've also worked for Toys R Us where we did bigger toys that would take more time to develop. So we would develop less of them, but still it's like 25 to 30 toys 
like a, a, a season and I worked on that's per brand and I worked on like five brands. Oh, so wow. it's a, it's a lot. That a is lot a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. My daughter has so many button crafts and it's like, there's buttons everywhere, but she, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love button crafts. <laughs> so do you have like, a, I just thought this just came to me. Do you have like a favorite toy that you've created or that like comes to mind? Yeah. I regret not buying. I made this, um, craft desk for totally me. Totally Me is the arts and crafts brand that was like the in-house brand at Toys R Us. And I created this craft desk for Black Friday. And the goal was to get it to be like under $24 or under $30, something like that. And it was like kind of a, you, you kind of build it yourself, like an Ikea furniture. Mm -hmm. It's like a bunch of, um, like tubes that the kid would put together. Well, the parent probably put it together and then put the cap on. And it had all these compartments to store like your bracelets that you're designing or your artwork or your pencils and your beads. And it was just such a, it took a long time to develop something at the right price point so that it could retail for as low as possible. And I read some of the reviews and parents were just like, this is the perfect desk. It's like not too small. It's big for my daughter. It stores all her stuff. She loves it. And I just love, I just wish I bought one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Just, I imagine seeing the reviews of people write like that. It's just like, okay, I want to do more. Like I want to make more toys. I love reading the reviews. I still sometimes (laughs) Google the toys I've made and read reviews. (laughs) I love that. So did you always know you kind of wanted to like branch out on your own and be an entrepreneur or did that just kind of come up? So no, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because my mom was an entrepreneur my whole life and I saw how hard she worked and how, how hard just life was. It was like feast or famine, you know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. and she was working so late all the time. And I said, no, I will never be an entrepreneur. I just want a consistent job that will pay me a consistent salary and I won't have to worry about anything. So I did do entrepreneurial things on the side of my full-time job, but I never, ever, ever wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur and then I don't know, COVID happened and priorities changed. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. totally. I know there's been like such a very small silver lining up to that. You know, a lot of people yeah. realizing like, yeah, I'm at, it's time. I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? And just like not putting such a value on salary. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to say that money isn't important. It's not that money isn't important, but I think salary for a long time was the only way I thought I could make money, like right. real money. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Totally. Well, awesome. So I'm interested to how many, like what different kinds of, you know, people and walks of life come through your academy. Cause I would imagine you, all kinds of people show up and have great ideas. Like, so just, yeah, if you want to tell us about your um, academy, I'd love to learn more and I'm sure the listeners are really interested too. Yeah. So I created Toy Creators Academy about six months into me stepping away from my full-time job and um, becoming the toy coach. And I just wrote to my really small email list at the time, like 500 people. And I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to do a course. And I'm in this course, I'm going to teach everything I know about the toy industry. Um, it's going to be about six modules long. Haven't made it yet. Uh, but if you want in, you know, let me know and I'll, you know, give you the information. So uh, I had about 25 students join that first round and I proceeded to, uh, like create every module like week Mm -hmm. after week live. And I would record it and I put it up and I made worksheets and all this stuff. And then 
um, at the end, everybody was just blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much. This is so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was just an amazing experience. Um, then after that first launch, I realized like, I, I wanted to do more. Like usually in the toy industry, you come up with an idea. Um, the next thing you want to do is pitch it. So I started, <laughs> um, creating this pitch event, um, for toy creators Academy. So my students could come up with ideas, develop prototypes or, um, mock-ups and actually pitch it to toy companies at the end of the program. But not everybody gets to pitch. You have to have a product that's vetted and approved by me to make it through. But, um, I, I encourage, and I want everyone to apply because you have to apply for the pitch event. So I want them to apply for the pitch event and I give feedback and I want them to make it through. So we work together, but like you said, people from all walks of life, like bakers, mechanical engineers, scientists, um, just parents, like stay at home moms and dads join. Uh, it's, it is a wide array. I have a clown in my alumni group. Yeah. Like they're, yeah, a professional clown, like not, like it's not a <laughs> hobby. This is her profession. Yeah. Well, um, how cool is that that your clown can bring the toys they create to like your party or wherever? Yeah. Like it's really cool. The, the, everybody has a toy idea. And that's what I try to tell people. I'm like, I bet you have an idea in you that the toy industry needs. And it's probably an idea that most people working in the toy industry wouldn't come up with because you are a clown because okay. you're full time every day is doing clown activities or baking or, you know, doing scientists. I don't even know, like mixing chemicals. Cause one of my students is a chemist. Um, yeah. So you have a lot to bring to the table that the toy industry professionals wouldn't think of. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And like I said, before we hopped on too, I was looking through some notes and I know you have a, like a, what, a five-step creative process to help people feel like a toy person. Oh, what does yeah. that look like? Well, this, I, okay. So I've done a couple versions of the five-step creative process. I feel like the easier one to grasp is probably the three-step step, but we can go over, <laughs> we can, we can go over the five-step. It's okay. So the five-step process, it's to unlocking creative ideas, right? So mm -hmm. the first step is going on a research shopping trip. Number one, Fun. most important. Um, this is really how I start all ideation for toy ideas when I was working full-time um, or even now when my students need my help, go on a research shopping trip. Um, and when you do that, it, you're going out there to see what exists in the toy industry already, but you're also going out there to try to figure out like what doesn't exist. And we call that identifying the white space. Mm. The second step is um, evaluating your competitor. So while you're out there doing that research, you should be um, evaluating who is the competitor. So say you wanted to come up with the doll line and you see Barbie out there, you should say, I'm looking at Barbie. Barbie's my competitor. What is Barbie doing? What are her price points? What are her mm -hmm. box sizes? What are the job themes that Barbie has? And what is she missing? And then the third step there is evaluating the trends. So then you're really looking at the trends you notice. So I tell my students, like, look for things that you see three or more times. So are you seeing like a lot of celestial themes everywhere? Are you seeing leopard print? Those trends could either translate into play patterns for your toy or game or they could translate into like packaging design for your product, yeah. you know? And then the fourth thing would be applying your personal strengths. So as I was talking about, are you a chemist? Are you a clown? Are you a baker? 
what do you have from your professional career that could add something to a toy that the toy industry is just missing? I'm a salsa dancer. So I've also often saying like, well, I could create like a salsa toy or um, something around dance that the toy industry wouldn't be as focused on because most of the professionals that are designing the toys aren't thinking about salsa dancing and what kids might want out of a salsa dancing toy. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have another student who created and recently won a competition around, a. Uh, an IP she designed around science and the periodic table, the elements of the periodic table. And that's not something the toy industry would be focusing on, but she is because she's a chemist. That's where her mind went. Right. Yeah. And then the last step is just defining what you want to create. Uh, Defining what you want to create is just choosing what it is you're going to do. It sounds simple, but a lot of people that come to me will say like, oh, Jill, I have this idea for a game. So like you get like a board and you have five pieces and you lay it on the board and then you roll the die and then you move. Well, you don't have to move. You could actually not move if you want to, because it depends (laughs) on like, you know, and nobody wants to commit to one idea. Mm -hmm. So defining what you want to create is crucial so that you can do the deep research to make sure one, it doesn't exist anymore, but so that you can really develop that one idea, market that one idea, prototype that one idea, instead of getting distracted by all the other ideas you have in your head. Right. And so you can save that for your next toy, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I tell them like, write it down. We're not going to do that idea right now, but it's a great idea. I want you to write it down and we'll do it next year. (laughs) That's what we'll do. Um, That's awesome. So after they like create a toy or, you know, they get their their design, their prototype, all of that. Is it hard to there? Where do they go after that? Like, how do they get it out into the world? So there are three paths that I teach in the toy industry. One, the inventor path two, the entrepreneur path um, and three, the corporate toy path. Um, The inventor path is a path where you come up with an idea, you make a mock-up of a prototype, which depending on how complicated the idea, a prototype could be something that you just make out of like foam core and cardboard and found toys around the house. Or if it's a more complex idea, you might have to do a 3D print or have a a studio create a functioning prototype. Once you have a proof of concept prototype, meaning a prototype that actually works. If it's a doll that bounces up and down, it has to actually bounce up and down. If Mm -hmm. it's a game that lights up when the person wins, it actually has to light up when the person wins. When you have that proof of concept, you get together all of your pitch materials, like sizzle video, you get together your prototype, um, and then you go off and you pitch to toy companies. There are plenty of pitch events in the toy industry The TCA virtual pitch event is mine. That's just one of them. You can also do cold outreach to toy companies and try to pitch directly on your own. And then it's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge that a lot of inventors enjoy to try to license that idea. So what you're doing as an inventor is you're trying to sell an idea and monetize an idea. You're going to a toy company and saying, I created this mechanism that makes this doll bump up, like jump up and down when water touches her. And the toy company says, oh my gosh, that's so cool. We have nothing like that we'll pay you 4% um, for every doll that we sell to be able to take that idea and manufacture a doll around that idea. Um, Then the second route is the entrepreneur route. So when you go the entrepreneur route, you're taking that prototype and then you're going to a factory and saying, I want to manufacture this. How much would it cost for me to buy 2000 pieces of this doll jumping up and down? And it's hundred percent finished as the entrepreneur. It's the same thing. Like what we do in our businesses, you've got to figure out the cost of goods and then you've mm-hmm. got to figure out what your retail price is and make sure you're making decent margin on that. 
And then you've got to do the marketing, getting your product into toy industry um, publications, going to toy trade shows and pitching to buyers and retailers, um, and also selling direct to consumer if that's something you also want to do with your product. And then the third way is the corporate toy path. I never intended this, but a lot of corporate toy people have taken my course and they say that it really fills in a lot of the gaps that they had um, from their learnings in the toy industry. Like I've had people from the toy industry take my course to learn more about the industry. And I've also had people that want to work in the industry and recently graduated from another major come take it just so that they can learn about the industry they want to work in. Because in the corporate toy path, you just come up with ideas all day. Mm -hmm. You, depending on your position, you might sketch them. You might negotiate with a factory on how much it is to make it, but you don't actually have to put the money (laughs) or like all of the effort into producing it and selling it. You just have to kind of make it happen at the office. And then the company's going to put the money into producing it and marketing it. I like it. I like that there's three different paths because it just gives you options. Yeah. So before I started doing what I was doing, I didn't see anybody really defining it as these three paths, Mm -hmm. but I found when I started defining it as these three paths, it made it a lot clearer for people to ask me for the right kind of help that they needed because they were like, oh no, 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 I'm on this path. So I don't need that. I don't need to worry about that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Makes it easier for them to concentrate and get there quicker. Yeah. I love it. Um, So do you, in your business, like, are there any, like, specific apps that you just love and you can't, like, think about not having them in your life? Well, I use ClickUp and Mm -hmm. I definitely should use it more often, but (laughs) (laughs) I do. I'm in it daily, but I feel like I'm not married to it in the way I need to, like, be married to it. Right. Um, But yeah, ClickUp has, like, my whole life in it, in in my business. My whole business is is in ClickUp. All my to-dos, whenever a student has a question, anything, it, like, pops up onto my ClickUp as a to-do. Outside of ClickUp, I probably my banking apps. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like once I pay people with, that's it. No, just ClickUp, I think. (laughs) That's awesome. I like it. It's just simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, cuz ClickUp's ClickUp. pretty comprehensive, isn't it? I've been in it, it a is. few times, but I don't use it. It is. I mean, I guess like when I when you say apps, I think phone apps, but I guess <laughs> right. computer, you know, their computer programs that I use like Descript is just would not be able to do my business without it. Um Ecam is another one that my mm-hmm. editor is like please leave Ecam the quality is not good enough and I'm like <laughs> okay so he wants me to get on Riverside um but yeah so right now Ecam Descript like could not survive without those two things yeah, yeah. what's Descript I've never heard of that Oh my gosh well uh, now you're going to wish you heard of it before when you did your own editing cuz <laughs> Dang it. (laughs) So Descript will take your audio and then convert it into a transcript. And then you can edit the transcript text like you're editing any text and it edits the audio at the same time. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's magic. (laughs) And video. It does video. It's amazing. Oh, that is awesome. It's amazing. Because you you host a podcast as well. Can you tell us about that? So everybody can do. Yeah, of course, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, actually the five-step creative process I was talking about was my very first podcast episode. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was my very first podcast episode. Very all like comprehensive initial episode. So I started a podcast and I called it Making It in the Toy Industry. 
And I started it because an inventor came up to me at a toy event and they had this really great game idea and I wanted to help them and they, and I, they wanted to pitch it to the company I was working for, but they really didn't know what they needed to do that. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea to create a resource to explain to them and all inventors um, and entrepreneurs, like what we actually would want to see from you. So that was the idea. And then I started it and a hundred and 30 episodes later, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> here we are. It's great, but I do, I mean, I edit most, I would say I edit like now I edit probably like 20% of the episodes. In the beginning, mm-hmm. it was all of the episodes. Um, but it's hard to let go of that control. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is. Where you're like, I don't want to say that word exactly like that. I'm gonna just re-record it. <laughs> Right. And then it's like a slippery slope though, you know, and then you have to like re-record and all these things you get behind. It's like, I should probably be doing something different with my time right now, but exactly. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So now I have an editor and he's great, but I'm Mm -hmm. still like, can you put this into script so that if I need to make edits, I can. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay. So we talked about your favorite apps. This is my next favorite question. Um, what is, how do you love marketing your business? Like what's the most effective that you've found? Um, I liked podcasts because that's how I started, but you know, what's really funny. You know how, when you're marketing your business and everybody says like, pick one path to market, like Mm -hmm. pick Instagram or pick podcast guesting and and just do that. Um, I didn't listen to that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) I don't either. I'm like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, all your marketing eggs. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's how I felt. And everybody, every social media manager I tried to hire, because no one ever lasted, but like (laughs) everyone I tried to hire would be like, you know what, Jill, we are not going to post to nine platforms. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you because (laughs) it's like, this is what we're doing. Okay. (laughs) This is my bread and butter. And we need to make sure everyone knows I, I exist. So yeah, I don't know. I guess for me, Probably. I love my podcast. I think it is the most, it, I, I, yeah, I would say probably my podcast. And I, I believe if I con- committed to it, it would then be YouTube second to that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Because I already see a lot of return from YouTube and I do have like four videos That's and I awesome. see, yeah, it's, it's actually really powerful. It's, yeah. it's there's something about like your voice really connects with people. And then when they're watching you with YouTube, especially if you like make jokes and then teach them, it's like this fun way to learn. Mm-hmm. So I believe YouTube would be really beneficial if I'd focus on it. But <laughs> no so time. your videos, do you put like your podcast up or do you put different stuff up? So when I first started, I would do clips of the podcast. Ah. And I do record video of my podcast because I'm supposed to be putting it up there, but I've heard you're supposed to keep <laughs> your podcast separate from your like real YouTube. Mm-hmm. So that was, is why I haven't uploaded it. But, um, what I do for my YouTube is I take my podcast episodes and I kind of break out the key lessons. I try to do like three or five key lessons and I actually write a new script for YouTube. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do it a little bit differently, but I've found a copywriter who's actually really good at converting my podcast into YouTube scripts. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to just use you. You're yeah. great. Oh, that's you. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's like its own ginormous, you know, search engine. So it is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I hate video. Yeah. I mean, I've known for years. I'm like, yes, YouTube, I need to, but I hate You hate video? You. Why? I do. I don't know. Maybe because I record what? in my closet. Oh. 
Well, and just like, I don't know, just in general, too. I don't know why. Like, it's like COVID has forced me, obviously, now that we're all on Zoom to be slightly more comfortable. But I don't know. Like, even my wedding, I was like, no videographers, (gasps) like nothing. Oh, my. What? (laughs) I know. Madness. (laughs) No. Yeah. I guess I also feel like video is a little bit more forgiving if I'm worried about how I look because there's so many angles. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, you true. can get like a good <laughs> angle, you can get a bad angle. I don't know. Just like Where look towards like, the window and look yeah, all serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why I like video. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. So um, how do you, you know, as entrepreneurs, it's hard. We have comfort zones and we really you know and as humans um it's just kind of hard doing that but I just feel like sometimes as entrepreneurs like we we're kind of forced to get out of our comfort zone whether we really like it or not yeah. um but yeah do you have any tips on or like any examples of how you get out of your comfort zone to help your business grow um that is a great question I feel like everything I do is out of my comfort zone <laughs> um how do I get out of well Okay. Yeah. I guess sometimes there are things that I do that I don't want to do that I know I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I got you. I got you. I got an answer. Um, so in thinking about working with like clients that I normally wouldn't work with because it will definitely grow my experience. Um, and also it will grow my income for my business so that I can reinvest into it. Um, I just try to like, look back at, I have this list of values. Honestly, I don't know where I put it, but I have this list of values. It's mostly in my head of like, (laughs) what is the purpose of my business and who I want to serve and why, and how I want to feel while doing it. And if I think those things that are uncomfortable for me to do will help me get toward those purpose, but that purpose, or there's like four of them really, Mm -hmm. um, then it, it's almost like I have to do it. You know, it's like, well, even if it feels like a little off and a little uncomfortable, it's like, no, in truth, this is going to help you help more people in the toy industry. And one of my goals, I can't find it to read it, but I remember it was very around having the financial freedom to give assistance to up and coming toy creators as needed, Mm. instead of having to be in this like fear money mindset of like, you know, if I help this person and tell them everything that's in my program in this one conversation, what is the point? Like, why will they ever take my core? I don't want to be in that fear mindset because it's not Mm -hmm. even true. It's not even a real mindset to have. Um, so I try to look at new opportunities that are like a little uncomfortable is like, well, it's going to help me get to that thing I want to do. So I think I, I got to do it. But I definitely have like little mini panic attacks getting there, but it's (laughs) okay. (laughs) It's okay. I love that. And yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Cause I think, I don't know, it's funny being in that spot of like, oh, how much, like, what's too much or how much should I share? You know, and then I feel like once I've kind of just let all that go, I'm like, I will tell anybody anything. And that's like when doors started opening, you know? Yes. So in the beginning of my business, I would just say anything Mm because I was like, I just didn't care. And I was like this, the whole point I started, this was just to tell everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And then toward the middle of my business, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody I talked to told me like, you should really like pull back on how much free information you're giving. Like your time is valuable to like like pull back. 
they even wanted me to like stop or lessen my podcast. And I was like, that that's never happening, but I was like, (laughs) okay, sure. Um, but then it got really uncomfortable, like in my DMS, in my emails, when people would ask questions, the Mm -hmm. way that I would answer was so not true to me. So now I have, um, I have such a great library of, of podcast episodes. When somebody asks a question, instead of writing like a you know, five page paragraph answer, responding to it. I actually will tell them like, Oh, you know what? I actually answered that question in episode number, like 47, here's the link. And, and then like, if you, and then I will even tell them, like, I also have this really good free download. You should check this out. If you still have questions from that point, then I'd love for you to book a one-on-one call with me. Here's the link. And and that feels so much better to me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's true. Like I've, you know, talked to people and that, that same argument has been like, well, yeah, you, you know, you've worked hard for this and it's your time. And you, I mean, people yeah. are just going to come back and want help. But then it's like, you look at like the Gary V's of the world and the people that, you know, it's just like, I don't know. You're right. I, like you I'm feel, the same way. It feels better. Yeah. Like it's a feeling. Like you can just it's feel it. Feeling. <laughs> like it's you can't really yeah, justify it because it's a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like obviously I have to make money. And sometimes when people ask me for things for free, like if you ask me to record a review for your product for free, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I do have boundaries. So. Yeah, I have boundaries. <laughs> but if you want me to want to know if I like it, you know. Right. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm with you on all of that. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, yeah, now we're to your favorites. Um, I like to ask if you mm. like what your favorites are, which is kind of fun. Um. What's your favorite book? Oh, I don't want to say the one that like I'm I have done an interview on because it's dark and depressing. <laughs> But it's kind of true. Okay, so <laughs> so I'm gonna say the backpack, but the real book is the hot zone. But I'm gonna say the backpack. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. Um, the backpack. It's like a oh, I read it years ago. I remember I was a kid. Um, and it's it's about I don't really know what it's about, but it's about a family that lives in Australia. And it just follows this family around that lives in Australia. I don't actually remember anything happening in this book. I just remember that it made me want to go to Australia. And I remember asking my dad, like, dad, can I study college in Australia? And he looked at me like, why? (laughs) What? And I was like, is that a possibility? Because I need to go there. Like it described their houses as these like little dugouts and things and like how they would live their life. And it was, I just loved it. It sounded so interesting to me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check it out. I watched this yeah. like, it's old. I mean, it's like early, like 2000s, late 90s, which is pretty rad. Um, uh-huh. Because then you look at like everything we used to wear back then. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> but it's like these. I looked good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I look at him like, wow, why was your hair so blonde? Because it's uh, definitely brown. Yes. But um, <laughs> it's these like five women and they run a cattle ranch in Australia. And oh. it's like this drama. And it's like so long. My husband's like, we really have to watch all of this. Like, it's ridiculous, but it's awesome. It's called McLeod's Daughters. So it's also like just Australia stuff if you ever want to watch it. McLeod's Daughters. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Thank you. Googled it. <laughs> I'm on it. Oh my God. Yeah, I was obsessed, weirdly obsessed with Australia when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> 
oddly. Yeah, I'm like literally watching it now. So, <laughs> and you know what? One day, a company, a really big company now in the toy industry, emailed me an mm. opportunity to work for this company, which is based in Australia. Oh. And I was in a relationship and I said no. And mm. I wasn't even with that person much longer. And I regret it to this day. Oh, I'm <laughs> like, sorry. I should have worked in Australia. That was my moment. <laughs> that was my moment, man. Yeah. I can see you going and like speaking in Australia at like an awesome yeah. convention or something. So yeah, you'll still get <laughs> one there day, one day. I'll get there. <laughs> um, so what, I guess that would be my next question. What or where is your favorite place to travel? Oh, Madrid. Ooh. I love Madrid. I would move to Madrid today. I <laughs> love it. The moment that my fiance's office says, we're fully remote. Um, we're going, we're going to Madrid. <laughs> like, yeah. love it. Oh, that's awesome. I've never been, yeah. but I hear it's amazing. Oh, it's so cheap. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> that's always nice. <laughs> it's number one. It's so affordable. And, um, it's not like super cheap, but it's affordable and it's just beautiful. And I don't know, just clean. Mm, <laughs> and I nice. can speak enough Spanish to get by. So I'm like, I love Madrid. Yeah. Oh, that's love awesome. It. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite drink? It could be anything. Ooh, anything. Like not alcoholic. Yeah. Could be people have said water, some have said coffee, some have said drinks or you know, water. wine. Yeah. I feel like I would go more in like the lemonade genre. Mm. I like a good lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what mood I'm in, a good lemonade, like with ice and a tumbler. Yeah. Oof. That's a good yeah. That sounds delightful mm-hmm. especially now right. that like the weather's finally starting yeah. to warm up a little bit so right yeah. if you ask me in winter it'd be like hot cocoa but right. now yeah. <laughs> lemonade, so um what's your favorite thing to do to relax oof okay what is my favorite thing to do some okay to relax get a massage yes my fiance <laughs> <laughs> or yoga if you won't give me a massage but really I would just love a good massage. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Last I night mean, I had a great one. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Those are yeah. hard to beat, seriously. Oh, good massage. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And lastly, what's your favorite thing to watch? Ooh, so many things. <laughs> um, right now, favorite thing to watch. Favorite thing to watch. I don't know. There's so many. Right now we're watching Stranger Things. So that's all I can think about. <laughs> um yeah, but I also honestly, I'm going to be real. I like trashy TV. Mm-hmm. I really like not, I'm not like a housewives person, but I am like a married at first sight, the circle type person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say like just anything on Bravo or whatever, you know, because like, <laughs> it just tells us, you know, kind of like we don't have to yeah. think and turn our brains off. Yes. And just, yeah. Yes. Or horror. Like oh. depends. Yeah. It depends on the mood, you know, like yeah. if I'm stressed out, I want horror so that I feel like all my stress is on someone else. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I like. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, um, can you share your website and social media and all that good stuff so everybody can connect with you further? I would love to. So you can find me at thetoycoach.com. If you have any idea for a toy, if you're interested in learning more about the toy industry, that is also where you'll find my podcast, ways to work with me, whether you want to join me in Toy Creators Academy or you want to just like one-on-one talk. Um, Also at the Toy Coach on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. And I'm at the Toy Coach everywhere, like Twitch, Pinterest, Facebook, everywhere. (laughs) All of the ones they told you not to be on. (laughs) 
Yeah. I got, yeah. I registered everywhere. So <laughs> I TikTok, I got the TikTok. I'm everywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. And I'll put all that in my podcast notes so everybody can find you there. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Well, this has been so much fun. Um, like I said, I've never interviewed anybody in the toy industry, so it was really neat. And that's like, I hadn't even thought about what that process even looks like. So that's pretty Can rad. I ask you a question? Yeah. What toy blew your mind as a kid? Ooh. Um, the um, the Etch-A-Sketch. I don't know why that's coming to my mind. Really? Yeah. I hated it because I, I couldn't know, well, do I anything. I know, I couldn't draw like, on it, but I'm like... <laughs> Oh, it just gets erased. Like if I want to like turn this knob or if I want to shake it, you know, like that. Like, just how does like, it work? Exactly. <laughs> and now that's we have like awesome. the internet and everything. So that's like, okay, that's lame. But like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh, nice. um, yeah. We had like, I was outside a lot. We had horses and I was like a huge tomboy. So I can't. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I had like a ton. Not that I didn't have toys, but like yeah. I think of like being outside more than anything. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Now I'm inside of a closet drinking <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I love well with me. That's true. You're right. You're here. here too. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. This has been great. Yeah, this has been super fun. Thank you so much. I know you're super busy, so thanks for taking the time and I'm so happy we connected. Anytime. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to next time you launch something, we'll have to have you back on talk about oh, it. Yeah, I'll launch again eventually. I yeah. think. I don't know. It's really hard work out here. But <laughs> Might need a break. No, no. <laughs> oh man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, Nicole. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode and had some good takeaways. Uh, if you haven't left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen, I would totally appreciate it. So if you have a minute, um, that would be great. If you need any free marketing tips, I've got some on my website. So feel free to head over there. Um, nb.marketing to grab them. Have a good day.